Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a really, really dark place? A really, really dark place. A bit like Gloria sitting in there in the, <laughs> in the chapel. I mean, some of you may be thinking, I remember when I was younger, my parents took us on holiday to Somerset. And uh, while we were there, we went down Cheddar Gorge. And in Cheddar Gorge, if you've been there, there's these caves that you can go down. And there was this uh, tour down the caves. And we went down to the, into the caves on this tour and uh, saw all the stalactites and the stalagmites and everything else. And then part of the tour was they got you into this big cavern that was all lit up and everything. And they said, we're going to turn the lights out. And because you're miles underground, they, when they switch the lights off, it is just black. You cannot see your hands. You can't see anybody standing right next to you. It's a very disorientating place to be. Have you ever been in, a, in that kind of darkness where it doesn't matter how long your eyes are trying to adjust to the light, but there's just nothing there? And if you've ever had to walk in those kind of rooms, you kind of out with your hands like this. I tried to do it in the church on lockup not long ago. Managed to navigate. I don't know why. I just couldn't be bothered to turn the lights on. I thought I can just zip across the chapel and out. Forgot that the communion rails were all set up. Not a pretty sight. There's that kind of darkness, isn't there? The physical darkness. And it is very disorientating when we get into those places. And it's darkness all around us. But there's also other kinds of darkness as well. You ever been in an emotionally dark place? Where there's like this massive cloud that's hanging over you, like a thundercloud. That, that you just, you're just weighed down with everything. That it, there just doesn't seem any way out. And it's like you're in a room that has no door. And everywhere you kind of look or you push, you're trying to get out, but you can't get out. There's just, there's just no way. And this gloom and this depression kind of descends on you. And you don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to lift it off. And you, you end up being in this really dark place. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter how much encouragement you receive. You just can't seem to get out of that place. Because you're just, you're just, you're there. And you're saying, Lord, what are you doing? Why am I, get me out of here. I want to see a light at the end of the tunnel, but... But there just doesn't seem to be one. There's that kind of darkness too. And then there's a spiritual darkness as well. Do you know that time where you pray and it seems like God is just a million miles away? That's really hard for pastors. Because I know everybody goes through the, the kind of the journeys of life, don't you? Where sometimes you feel so close to God and other times you feel very far away. And when you're a pastor and you have to stand up and open God's Word and you're in one of those dark places, it's, it's a really difficult place to be. Because you think, well, I shouldn't really be preaching even. Like, how can I be there trying to sh show other people when, Lord, you seem so far away from me? And anybody who's been in ministry knows those kind of feelings. You can't just say, well, I, I'm not going to preach today. I, I need to have a few weeks off. You can't do that always because it's your job. And, 
But there's those times where it feels like God is so far away. And you just need that closeness of God and you need to hear something and you say, Lord, where are you? You read the Psalms, you you understand that spiritual darkness, don't you? David crying out, Lord, where are you? Why is all this happening to me? Come and rescue me now. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me? And of course we see it most of all on Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness. You've been in a dark place? Are you in a dark place? We've been looking together, or started looking last week, at the I am sayings of Jesus. And if you look at it in a human terms, Jesus was in a pretty dark place. Do you remember last week we said that at the beginning of chapter 6 in John's Gospel, before he said, I am the bread... Everybody, he was Mr. Popular, he'd fed 5,000 people, everybody was there. And then in John 6, 66, it says all of them started falling away, and we looked at that last week. And then we go from there into John 7, and not only are the disciples, his followers, all the crowds starting to fall away, but also we find that the leaders are starting to gang up on him. They're ever at the feast in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 25 of chapter 7, At this point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Because the authorities, the, 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 the chief priests and the Pharisees, all ganged up on him. Verse 32, chapter 7, The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards even to arrest him. And they send the temple guards off and they go and they find Jesus. They listen to him and then they return back without arresting him. They say, this guy, he he talks a load of sense. And so they're plotting and they're scheming. And Jesus is in that place where all the crowds have left him. They're all still murmuring about him behind his back. The authority figures, they're all trying to arrest him and try and do away with him. It's looking bleak for Jesus in human terms. And he's in and around the temple. And we pick up the scripture in in chapter 8 at verse 12. Before we read, let's pray. Lord, as we read your word again today, we ask that you would speak to us. You are the light of the world. So shine brightly in us today. Reveal yourself to us through your word. Through your spirit. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. It says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged Him, Here you are, appearing in your own, as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and for where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. 
I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the one who sent me, the Father. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Thanks be to God. Jesus is standing by the temple where the offerings are being put. And in the temple in Jerusalem, where the offerings were put, there were two huge gold lampstands. Now, I'm not just talking about little candelabras that you put on tables. These are like massive columns with lights all over them. They're a bit like, if you like, the Olympic flame. Do you remember in in the, uh, the Olympics and all those lights went up together? You could see the flame and the heat, if you went into the Olympic stadium, was quite intense. And here in Jerusalem, there are these two massive columns with lights and lamps all over them. And they lit them during the festival time. So Jesus is standing there with this backdrop of these huge columns, all ablaze. And at night time, you could have seen them for miles around. And he says, you know what? I am the light of the world. Not these temporary lights, not these human things, but me. I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Well, first thing we need to understand what darkness is all about in the scriptures. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah 9, it talks about darkness. Light and dark is used all the way through the scriptures. You'll recognize Isaiah 9 in a moment. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You see what it's saying there? Light and darkness. Darkness is symbolized by gloom and distress, by the shadow of death, by mourning. That's what darkness is. And that's one of the readings we use in the Christmas story. The light has come into those dark places. In Job 5 verse 14, it talks about darkness being a place of perplexity and ignorance and disaster. People with their clever schemes, it talks about, thinking they can build things on their own, but God knows that those schemes and those plans come to nothing. They come to disaster. They fall away. That is darkness, it says in Job. Or look in John's Gospel, in chapter 3, verse 19. It says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear of his deeds being exposed. 
But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So it's saying there it's about our moral status, our moral depravity. That we don't like light if we live in darkness, if we've got things that we don't want to see or others to see around us. Just as the picture of Adam and Eve when they ate the apple. When they disobeyed God, what did they do? They hid themselves. They wanted to hide from each other, hide from themselves, hide from God. Why? Because they knew that there was, there was corruption within them. There was sin inside of them. Those relationships were broken and they wanted to hide that from everyone else. Let's just pretend. Let's just make believe that everything's okay when they knew it wasn't. And so they hid. And man, humanity has been hiding ever since. And Ephesians 4 talks about our darkness distancing ourselves from God. Ephesians 4 verse 17 to 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all the sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. And so he carries on. So it talks about that distancing of ourselves from God. And darkness in the Bible really is everything that is not of God. Everything that is not in the will of God, is not in the presence of God, is darkness. And everything that is of God is spoken of as light. That's why when we see in the picture in Revelation, when you come into the throne room of God, what do you see? You see brilliance and light. Because it shines, it reveals, it shows itself. And you see others hiding in the shadows. Do you remember Peter, when he, when he jumped out the boat and he went, get away from me, because I, I am a man, of, I'm a sinner. I can't be in your presence, Jesus. Go away from me. Because he sees that darkness that was within him. And he saw the light in Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. First, as we think about that, we go to the I am, which reverts back to God, of course, in Exodus. I am who I am. So Jesus is saying again, God, He, Jesus Christ, is God, the light of the world. And it's the light, not a light. There are many lights in our world. There are many ways, many directions that people are trying to get you to follow. But there is only one true light, Jesus Christ. He said, I am the light to follow. You'll see many, many different lights, many different distractions. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it says there, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 13, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as what? 
an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. The Bible says that there are many, many people masquerading as agents of light. There are many who are going to stand up there and say, I am the way, follow me. I am the way to do this, follow me. No, don't listen to him, why don't you follow me over here? Why don't you come this way? But there is only one, the light. There is only one way that will fulfill everything that needs to be fulfilled within us and in this world, and that is through Jesus Christ. I am the light, he says, of the world. There are lots of other little lights around, but there is one source. It's like I lit the candle, the Paschal candle earlier. The light flickering there. Now we could all go up there and light a candle, couldn't we? We could all go and have our own light. But there's only one source. There is only one place that we can light it from. You know that when you light from another candle, it doesn't diminish that candle. It's not like we're taking some energy off of that into ours. It stays exactly the same. God is saying, Jesus is saying, I am the source. I am the source of light. I am the true light that gives light to everyone. I am the light of life. And this is the light he says, if you look at the end of that verse, the light of life. He is the one that can give us life in all its fullness. John 10.10, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. John 11 verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He says, I am not just the, the, the source of everything for now, but also for all eternity. I am the light that will continue to burn for all eternity. All these other lights will glow and then die out. But there is one light that will continue to burn, that was there in the beginning, that will be there at the end. And that is Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. At the end is the Word. Christ is that light that will shine for all eternity. And he is the one, it says, is the light of life, can give us that life in all its fullness. And who's it for? Well, he says, I am the light of the world. Not just the light of the Jews, not just the light of the Gentiles, but the light of the whole world. He says it's available to anybody and everyone. But there is one condition. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And the condition is that we need to be followers of Jesus Christ. The only way we can access the light of God, he says, is if we're willing to follow him. He says it over and over again, doesn't he? Take up your cross and follow. Deny yourself to this world, pick it up, come follow me. Have you ever been in a car where you followed someone? They know the directions of how to get there. And you say, oh, I'll just follow you. 
So it's, it's quite a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because you, you don't want to be too close to them because then you're really scared you're going to ram into the back of them if they slow down unexpectedly and that's kind of embarrassing because you know them. But if you get too far away from them, you know what's going to happen. Sooner or later, they're going to get to a traffic light and it's going to go red before you get through, but they'll go through on green or amber, won't they? And you'll be stuck there and you'll be going like, now what do I do? Where are they going? I've got to see where, let me see. Let's hope they pull over. Let's hope they've noticed that I'm stuck here and they've gone on. It's a completely different kind of way of driving. It's like if you're leaving someone else, you drive looking in your rear view mirror the whole time. You never bother with the rear view mirror any other time except when you're trying to make sure that there's a car behind that's staying there with you. Otherwise you're going forwards. Why do you want to look back all the time? Jesus is like saying, I'm, I'm leading here. You guys need to be followers. Now to be a follower means that you need to stay close, doesn't it? You've been out with someone who's had a torch and you've been following them because you haven't had one. It's no good if they're walking up with a torch and you go, yeah, I'm just going to, let me leave you behind, you're going a bit slow here. What happens? Well, you end up going out into the darkness and their light is no good to you because it's behind you. Or if they go off in the distance, which has happened to me, follow me, they go, and they go zipping off and and you you can't keep up. Equally, the light is no good to you. They go round a corner and it just becomes a faint glow and then disappears and you're left in darkness. You have to stay close to the source to access it, for it to be any good. It's no good being in front of it and it's no good being too far behind it. You need to walk alongside with it. And then that source of light will be beneficial. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Why? Because he's inviting us to walk with him on this journey. It's about the relationship. He says that to the Pharisees who challenge him about his credentials. What does he say is important? He says, you don't know me or my father. Because if you knew me, verse 19... You would know my father also. It's about the relationship that we have. We need to know Christ so that we can know the Father. Because he is the light that points us to the Father, points us to the Spirit, and points us to the Son. We need to stay close to him. Because if we don't stay close to him, that light just vanishes, dissipates. So how do we stay close to God? Well, Psalm 119, I'm sure you know it off by heart. William Wilberforce used to know it off by heart. Apparently he used to recite it out loud on his walk home from the Houses of Parliament to his apartment. And he could just about do the whole Psalm 119, all 176 verses of it, was the distance it took him from the Houses of Parliament to his apartment. And he recited it every day, to and from work. I'll challenge you to have that done by next week, okay? Psalm 119, verse 105, you'll notice. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. How do we stay close to God? Well, firstly, through his word. 
His Word. God's Word is a lamp, a light, to show us the direction, to keep us where we need to be with Him. What's He really saying? Well, His Word comes through prayer, doesn't it? When we listen to Him, when we get on our knees and say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this situation? What is your Word for me? Let me hear your voice. Let me hear your words. His words come to us as we read the scriptures and we mine the scriptures and we just allow God's Spirit to open the Word of God to us and reveal it to us. So then we understand more about who Jesus is and our relationship grows. Our relationship grows through the Word that He gives to us through one another. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody has said something and they don't even know that they've said anything that's really that important to you, but it's just touched you right in the core of who you are. It's just what you needed to hear. And you, you say to them after, you know what, I, I just really needed to hear that. Thank you very much for saying that. And they go, well, I didn't say anything. Because to them it was nothing, but God had used them in that situation to speak right into the depth of your life. What you needed to hear at that moment. And he said, here is my child, I'm going to use them as a vehicle to speak to this person that needs to hear it. Sometimes God speaks to us as we praise Him. And as we lift up and, and words of songs and hymns. I remember one time I was in a, in a dark place, emotionally. And I was saying, Lord, what are you doing? And I was in a church, and it was in a traditional service, and we were singing a hymn. And the words of that hymn just, just spoke to me in that moment. The storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, my, my heart may, might low be laid, but God is round about me, and can I be dismayed? And it's what I needed to hear at that moment, to recognize that God was in the midst of all that storm that was going on in my life, but He was right there with me. So when we praise Him, Sometimes God speaks to us like that and just gives us that word that we need. Sometimes it's through ministry. When we're out there serving Christ, it's in those moments when we're serving Him that He actually speaks to us too. It's quite hard sometimes when you're preaching a message and you end up preaching to yourself at the same time. You know, it happened a few weeks ago. I was preaching about something and it was like God was speaking to the core of me at the same time as I was sharing it with other people. And it's really hard then because, because you want to just have that time where you can think it through on your own but, but God is using you as a channel to do things and minister to others but He's also ministering to you at the same time. And there's many ways in which God encourages our relationship with Him through His Word. But as we do that, as we, as we allow Him that access into our lives, so that light shines more and more within us. It's like the pillar, isn't it, of fire and, and cloud in the wilderness in Exodus 13. You know, it's there to guide you, to walk with you. It's the same kind of picture that as that pillar moved on, so the people of Israel moved on. When it stopped, they stopped. And Jesus is saying, follow me. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. 
When I, when I tell you to set up camp here for a bit, because there's stuff I want to teach you before I take you to the next stage, set up camp and let me teach you. When I'm telling you to move to the next stage, move to the next stage. Just follow me. I will be in control. I'll have the map, because I know the way. I know the future. I know where, you want to, where I want to take you. Just follow me. Trust me. Let me guide you in your life. He is the light of the world. And the closer we are to that light, the more impact it will have on us. I was at a restaurant the other week. Had that mood lighting, you know? It's useless when you're over 50. Have you noticed that? You can't even see the menu. I was there with a menu, uh, just had a little candle in the middle. Very nice, me and Enika sitting there. Nice little candle. Beautiful. You can't read the menu. I'm there with my glasses with a, with a thing like this. Your head's all over on one side and you're trying to read it by candlelight. It was like, I don't know, why couldn't they just turn the lights up a bit so you could read and then put them back down again? Don't really want to see the food when it's coming, but it's nice to be able to read the menu. When you're closer to the light, it's easier to read things, isn't it? When you're further away, it's more difficult. In the same way, when you're closer to Christ, more of that light invades. More of that light has access into your life. More of that light becomes part of you, and you become part of it. The further away you go, the less that light will impact your life and those around you. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So we need to grow. We need to grow by going closer and closer to that source. When we go closer and closer, we feel the heat of that light. We feel the light's presence. We feel it there around us and we become more at one with that light. We can see clearer. We can see from God's perspective. It, it impacts who we are as individuals. But here's the catch. There's a cost. Because there are parts of my life that I don't want that light to shine upon. There are parts of me that I would rather keep in darkness because I'm not proud of them. And so I have this tension because I'm drawn towards the light and I want to get closer to Jesus Christ and I want that light to be all around me but I know that as I get closer to Christ so more of me will be revealed. And so I'm stuck in this tension between being drawn towards Christ but then kind of pulling myself away going, no, I, I'm not sure I want to get that close. Because I, do I really want this to become out? Do I really want to dig this stuff up? Do I really want to deal with this kind of stuff that's in my life that I buried and hidden down in the darkness? That I want to keep it there? Because there I can kind of think, well at least I think I can control it. There I can cover it over with all the niceness and everything else so that nobody else needs to see it. And so I hide it and I suppress it and I put it down, but there's another part of me that's drawn towards Jesus Christ so much. And so we're like, we're like a kind of on a, 
on a bungee rope, kind of going backwards and forwards between getting closer and then pulling ourselves away and getting closer. And Jesus says, come, and he's got his arms open like this, and we'd love to come. And then we just pull ourselves back again. Because Jesus is the light. And light reveals. I heard about a cleaning company. It was a particular kind of cleaning company that specialised in cleaning up on pet urine in people's houses. And they had what they called a dark light. And they would shine this dark light. And what it did was that any kind of bit of uh, urine from animals would would be shown as a sort of a, a, kind of like a UV light, all shown in kind of purple, crystallised. And because they were quite successful as a company, because what they would do is go around to people's homes who had cats and things, and they would show them all up and down their furniture and all over the carpet, and it would reveal everything. And people were going, oh, I can't stand that. I can't, I'm not going to sit down in this room again. Look what I'm sitting on. This is disgusting. And they go, well, for a price, we can clean it for you. They did really well as a company. But what they did was they just showed people what was really there. When you don't know it's there, you don't bother, do you? You just sit yourself down and think, oh, nice kitty. You know, and you start stroking it. You don't realize what it's leaving behind. Or what you might be sitting in. And it's a little bit like that with Christ, isn't it? We love to get closer to Christ, but we know that as we do that, what's he going to do? He's going to say, David, let me help you with this dark area of your life that you've buried. Let me pull this out and deal with it. You don't need to carry it anymore. You don't need to suppress it anymore. You don't need to let it impact you anymore in your life. Let me deal with it. And that's, that's difficult. That's painful because we have to allow and trust Christ to deal with those areas of our lives that for so long we have either suppressed and hidden and stomped down and thought that we can deal with ourselves. And so what do we do? Well, we... We struggle. We struggle with that trust. We say, yes, Lord. We sing praises. We say we trust you. And he says, you know what? I'm the light of the world. I want to shine in all the areas of your life. Why? Because he wants us to shine like him. In Philippians... Chapter 2. He talks about us. Verse 14 and 15. He talks about us being lights. Philippians 2 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's a challenge in and of itself. So that you may become blameless and pure. Challenges are growing here. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And then what does it say? In which you shine like stars in the universe. 
as you hold out the word of life. He's saying we are to be like stars shining. Not from our own light, because we don't have much, if any. But as we reflect the light of Christ that is burning within us. As we allow that light to, to, to flow out of us. As we allow that light of Christ that's inside of us to be revealed to others. Now you can't do that as you're busy suppressing all the darkness. You have to release the darkness in order to let the light shine. There's a little boy who was in an Anglican church. And he was at Sunday school and they asked him, What's the saint? And he thought for a bit and he looked up at all the stained glass windows. And he saw all the saints there, all the disciples of Jesus and all these other people. And he said, a saint is someone who lets the light shine through them. That's what Christ wants you and me to be. Someone who lets the light of Christ shine right through us. You can't do that if you've got a whole load of darkness. It gets blocked. You have to release that darkness. And as you release it to Christ, the light of the world, so He will shine more of His light through you and through me. Get close to Him. It's all about relationship. Allow Him to continue that process of transformation so that He can pierce the darkness in your life And pierce the darkness in the light of others too. So what about you today? Christ is the light of the world. And he stands here today saying, let me shine through you. I long to shine through you. I long to come into you and to reach down into your life and to shine my, my light and my gentleness and my love and my forgiveness and my peace on those areas of your life that you've kept dark and hidden for so long. Give them to me. Let me heal them. Let me transform them. Let me have my light in that room. Open the door and let me in. Let me deal with it, because you've been carrying this for so long. His light is gentle. His light is is beautiful. And He longs to shine it into your lives, so that you can shine His light out through you. What about you today? Where are the dark places in your life? Where are the places today that Jesus is saying, let me have that. Don't carry it anymore. Don't hide it anymore. Don't don't close it away anymore. Give it to me. Give it to me today so that I can deal with it. It says in Revelation, he's standing there knocking at that door. But it's only you that can let him in. He won't barge his way into our lives. He knocks and asks. There was a little boy who went on a business trip with his father for the first time. 
They were in the hotel room at night and his father tucked him into bed, read him a little story, prayed with him, kissed him, and then turned the lights out. And after a couple of minutes, his son said, Dad, yeah, it's sure dark in here, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty dark, he says, but everything's going to be alright. I'm sleeping here right next to you. And then the little boy, after a few more minutes, said, reached out. He took his dad's hand and he said, Dad, I think I'd better hold your hand just in case you get scared. Jesus is saying to you and to me, I want to hold your hand. I am holding your hand. I promised I would never leave you, never forsake you. There is nothing to be scared about. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just give me those parts of your life which are still in darkness. And let me bring the healing touch of my light into those areas. So that you may shine brightly. And others will see your radiance and give glory to God. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you that you came and you lived. And you went into those dark places. Gethsemane was dark for you. Death was even darker. And the cross... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, you have been to the darkest of places. So you understand. You understand us. You understand the the fear that we have of giving of those places to you. You understand our longing and our our hesitancy and, and you hold your hand out and you say, Come, come. Come, let me, let me take you. Let me shine my light into those places. So that as, as you transform us, so we may more and more shine the light of Jesus Christ to others around. Lord, I ask today that you would help us to release those to you. We all have them. We all have part of our lives that we cling on to. That we can't forgive, maybe. We can't forgive ourselves and so we don't get that forgiveness from you. Or we can't forgive others. Or parts of us that we just have locked away so deep within us that we even try and forget about them all the time. But they keep rearing their heads every now and again. Lord, come and take those dark places from us. Do it one at a time, Lord. We can't take too much. You know how fragile we are. But remove them. So that we may shine with the light of Christ. 
in all of our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing touch. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you are so gentle, so caring, that you want life for us in all its fullness. And you bring the light of life into our lives. Touch us now, Lord, we pray. In the name of Christ. Amen.